Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty, Domino Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. And welcome to another edition of IWTV Guide, your guide to what's on independentwrestling.tv. I'm Jared J. Hawk Hawkins, and joining me at the the entire group here this week, we've got Jay Gold. Hey, I'm back. I'm healthy after Dalton gave me uh, COVID. I'm back. I feel good, ready to roll. Yeah, we'll blame Dalton. That's fine. That's right. And returning to the show as a full-time member, we've got Marky. Hi, I was also dying, but I'm okay now. <laughs> Not from Dalton, I don't think. That would be really weird if he did that somehow. <laughs> Yeah, if somehow Dalton got you kicked when he wasn't anywhere near you, I, I'm worried about myself at the moment, quite honestly. But everybody appeared to be healthy. Everybody appeared to be in a good mood here. Uh, Jay Gold, you've had a hell of a couple of weeks from what I understand. So so I spent uh, I spent the Royal last eight to ten days in, in quarantine uh, because of Dalton, and I left my uh, in a room with my wife putting food outside the door like I was uh, in solitary confinement. Um, and that all was because of Dalton and our GCW weekend, um, or the brand that cannot be named on IWTV guide. Um, and I have a great story for the, uh, podcast and for you guys at home, uh, my day on Sunday, the day of the, of that show that cannot be names, uh, show at the Hammerstein. Uh, I went ahead and I picked up referee Bill Alfonso from the airport at about nine 30 in the morning. Um, him and I, connected at AIW and he gave me his number, which I, I was stunned by. And I get a call from him about a week before the show. And he's like, Hey daddy, it's Bill Alfonso. And I couldn't believe he talks like that. And he said to me, uh, you think you can, you can pick me up at the airport. They didn't give me a ride. So I said, sure, sure. Fonzie, I would love to pick you up. Um, and he gave me his flight info and I'm staring at Bill Alfonso's flight info in my phone like every day. I couldn't believe it. As an ECW fan, I, I tried hard not to mark out and, and be a complete lunatic with him. But he is the nicest human being on earth. Um, I picked him up at the airport at 930 in the morning. He said, I need to drop something off at Sabu's hotel room. Um, he goes, you think you can give me a lift to Sabu and then we can go out and spend the day together? And I said, that's absolutely amazing. And I said, sure, why not? Let's go to Sabu's hotel room. So I got a chance to go get Sabu. Fonzie had to drop something off with him. And he comes down and he says, would it be okay if Sabu joins me and you and your brother for, uh, for brunch? And I said, that sounds amazing, Fonzie. Let's get Sabu in the car. So uh, Sabu comes downstairs. He gets in the car. He, uh, I, I get a chance to hear a lot of behind-the-scenes burying of certain people that I don't have to name, but I thought it was, I should probably should not have been listening to that. I heard some crazy stories out of the two of them. Um, I, I heard a few uh, things I probably shouldn't have heard out of Sabu's mouth as a Jewish man, if you know what I mean. Um, and then uh, we went out for brunch and it was me and, and my brother, Sam and uh, Fonzie and Sabu. And now I can tell you both this. There might not be anything cooler in this world than knowing that you're with somebody that you idolized as a kid and he is willing to tell you anything you want to know about that thing that you loved. 
So Fonzie was more than happy in telling Sam and I and listening to our stories from the 90s about ECW. He also told us some stories about Andre the Giant, which is amazing when you think of that. Um, Sabu doesn't remember a lot of stuff, but he did give us some stories about his time in Japan and the matches he had with Hayabusa, which is fucking amazing that he told Sam and I are just sitting there with our mouths open. We could not believe some of the stories. Um, and then Sabu, uh, I think he was a little tired or he was, was a little bit something. He was head down on the table at the restaurant and Sam said, well, maybe we should get him back. And Sabu said, I'm not going to the show right now. It's way too early. He said, can you give me a lift to my hotel room? So I said, yeah, I'll give you a lift to your hotel room, Sabu. He said, can you stop by a dispensary and help me get something? And I said, I can look for it. I don't know. We'll go. So him and I, as he, as he hobbled his way to the parking garage, Sam said, I'm going to take Fonzie to the hammer sign, make sure he gets there. Okay. Now Fonzie was like a, a old, like wise grandpa. Fonzie rules. If you guys ever get a chance to talk to him at the next show, the next AIW show, I would say, please talk to Fonzie. So he took Sam to the Hammerstein through the back door. Sam gets a bracelet. He goes in with Fonzie. I get Sabu in the car. The two of us are in the car for an hour trying to get back to Flushing to find him what he needs and to get him back to his hotel room so he could rest for like three hours. And uh, Sabu and I didn't say one word to each other (laughs) in an hour. We're in the car together. He literally didn't want to talk. He either didn't want to talk to me or he didn't want to open his mouth. So we drove for an hour looking for what he needed from the dispensaries, which I didn't know New York even had. And uh, then we get back to this hotel room and I said, uh, Sabu, you know, I really got to take a piss. Can I, uh, can I use your hotel room? <laughs> and he said, yeah, he mumbled. Yeah. And I get to go to Sabu's hotel room and take a pee. And I was, I was, uh, <laughs> As a as an ECW fan for the last uh, uh, you know thirty years of my life, so to speak, I uh, I couldn't have been more excited to pee in Sabu's hotel room. And then we set our separate ways, and I said thanks, and he mumbled brr, and I went on my way back to the house where I dropped my car off. I hopped back in the car, and I mean I I hopped back on the train, and I took the train back to the city where I met up with Home Office Charlie Butters who was uh, in the whole weekend, who I went out with on Friday night with Austin and Dalton and Charlie Butters. We went out for drinks. Charlie Butters had his adventure in the city on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we spent the afternoon together. We went to the GCW show. And then, uh, and then we went there and we got a chance to see, uh, we got to, Butters took me to say hi to the Bev. And, and when Fonzie left, he gave me a kiss on the forehead. He is the sweetest man ever. Um, and then the next night, uh, I tested positive for COVID. So it was a great, <laughs> a really great, uh, uh, weekend to see home office and to see, you know, all the guys and see, um, um, you know, uh, uh, Dalton who spread COVID everywhere and, uh, and Austin and, and it was, it was a great weekend. And then just being laid up for like eight days, I got to tell you guys, I, uh, I would, wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I would do it all over again. If you told me to, it was very surreal. Um, being with, uh, uh, Fonzie for a, for a whole day was one of the coolest things I think I could ever ask of anybody of any time ever. And, uh, getting a chance to do that with my brother and sa- hanging out with Sabu was one of the weirdest, you know, experience of my entire life, but it, it was, it was an awesome way to, uh, that whole weekend was very surreal hanging out with having Dalton up here. 
uh, having butters in town. You know, it was just, it was awesome. And I highly recommend, you know, anytime I know we all get together when we see each other in Cleveland, but anytime we get a chance to be in each other's backyards, you know, it's, it was, a, it's just a great thing to do. So it gave, you know, it reaffirmed my, my, my love of hanging out with everybody and, and it was great and it was worth the, uh, the eight days following. So yeah, that was my, my weekend over at, uh, with Fonzie. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a relationship with Fonzie where he'd given me his phone number, but I've, no, I've known Fonzie for probably about seven years at this point, uh, dating back to his first appearance at Cauliflower Alley. And he took a liking to me because like when I started talking to him, I started acting about refereeing in Florida and refereeing in Japan rather than any EQW stuff. I think you were just so happy you didn't have to talk about EQW for one. I I couldn't. I I agree with you. He told us his stories about his first match was was with was with uh, uh, Sabu's uncle. You know the Sheik and Dusty Rhodes was his first match he refed in Texas Gee. in his life. He said that's why Sabu asked him to be a part of be his manager. Sabu said I saw him and I know that he his first match was with my uncle, so I trusted him right away. And he picked Fonzie to be his manager all because of that. I mean, that's amazing. So, yeah, he, he, I mean, I highly recommend if anybody get a chance to see him. Oh, and he gave me, him and Sabu gave me a picture of them signed, which is awesome. And Fonzie gave me a whistle. So <laughs> it was amazing. I didn't ask for anything. I didn't need anything. I just wanted the opportunity to spend some time with him. And uh, picking him up from the airport, he gave me a hug like he remembered me like I was his best friend. And we, we went on our way. It was one of the coolest things I think I could ask for as a, as a fan. You've definitely had a more eventful couple of weeks than I've had. Uh, I've had some adventure with fast food the last two weeks. And basically, I come home from a, from a show, and, like, there's nothing fucking open except, like, sheet normally. No big deal. Like, I did a show last week. Because sheet a mile from the road, I'll stop. I'll get some food that I can eat with my hand while I'm dri- driving, get a cup of coffee. I'll be good to go. I get to this sheet, and this sheet could really big me. It's going to be a wait. Okay, no big deal. Order my food. Order my order my coffee. I'm kind of waiting. I wait 18 minutes for them to call my number for the food. And they hand me a bag of food. I go, okay, well, I had a mocha with that. Oh, it'll be at least 20 more minutes for that mocha. <laughs> wait, I'm, I'm sorry, fucking what? It's going to be at least eight, 20 more minutes for that mocha. We got Kevin order ahead of you. Now, I've been standing there for 20 minutes waiting for the food. There's like three people back there working on the food, and I know they're busy. Not one of them has even tried to make a cup of coffee back there. Or a, or a plushie or a shake or anything. Like, nobody t- touched the drink back there. Like, I just waited 20 minutes for the food, and you're not even close to starting my coffee yet? Like, come on. That turned into, well, <laughs> and they basically went, well, if you don't like it, we're going to refund you your money for it. Went, then refund my fucking money for it. Like, I got an hour and a half drive. I can't be standing here for another 45 minutes waiting for a fucking cup of coffee. <laughs> Fired up. Yeah. Uh, like, and I mean, I've, I've worked retail, I've worked customer service, like, I tend to be pretty calm as much as I can, but that, yeah, I, I'm sorry, like, even, even tell me, like, once I've ordered it, oh, hey, we do the coffee order separate, it could be a little bit longer for the coffee, but how busy we are, I would have dealt with it. No, you would let me wait there 20 minutes and then go, oh, by the way, fuck you. No, we're not playing that game. The manager on duty wound up refunding me for the coffee and then told me, just take a, I know it's not the same thing, but just take a regular coffee out of the pot over there and... We won't charge her for that. That way you got some caffeine for the way home. Like, okay, I'll live with that. But like, Jesus Christ, 20, fuck, 20 fucking minutes. And you, not only have you not started my coffee, but you haven't started any of the Kevin ahead of me yet. No, screw you. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's rough. <laughs> I will tell you this though, by the way, I forgot to tell you, Jayhawk. Marcy, I forgot to tell you guys. So Sam texts me in the middle of that, my drive home with Sabu. And he says, they left me with Virgil. 
So Sam had to sit there and talk to Virgil about stuff that was going on during that show. And uh, even though he got to hang out with Fonzie, I think Sam said he sat in on a, on a planning meeting with Brett and Fonzie and he saw Blake Christian, you know, setting up his match and he got all this cool stuff, but the trade-off was, I missed it, but the trade-off was he had to sit with Virgil. So you could trade off with that. Instead of getting your coffee, you could sit with Virgil for 45 minutes. <laughs> now, you don't understand. In May, I'm going to actually be helping out with a little, uh, one of the little comics book shop here. Got a little show they do. Come to the, come to the different shop in the area. Got a table, whatever, and they bring in a couple of records for kinding. And Virgil, one of them. I won't be helping directly out with Virgil, but one of the other vendors can bring him in, but I'll be, like, getting close to him. So I'm already dreading that. <laughs> oh, boy. Sam said he had a lot to say. <laughs> he had a lot to say about everyone that was there. Talking Sam's ear off. Nobody came to rescue him. He had to sit there with Virgil. <laughs> I mean, they're all gonna bring That's in- what he gets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all going to bring in Typhoon and Jimmy Hart in for this, and I believe he can me help out with Typhoon. Go. Oh, I heard he's great, right? Fred? Yeah, we had I had him on my old podcast. It was a good interview. He's friendly enough to watch. Jimmy Hart, great. I've I've met Jimmy before. I love Jimmy. That's so cool. Yeah, but yeah, May twenty May twenty first, Up Guy Wild Card Game, Canal, Ohio, Typhoon, Jimmy Hart, and Virgil. I'm like, get me as far away from Virgil as like you possibly can and I'll deal with it. You know that's not gonna happen now. You know they're gonna put you with Virgil. <laughs> and, and somehow and somehow Virgil's gonna charge me twenty bucks for running a table and I'm not trying to figure out how the fuck that's gonna happen. Oh, you are going to have to be his cameraman as he shakes people down for photos. Go, <laughs> uh, uh, so Virgil did a car, uh, baseball card show up here years ago, like before the lonely Virgil story ever got started. And I'm like, I liked Virgil well enough. I'll go keep what he charging for picture or whatever. And he got a bunch of eight by ten cut up there, and he got one of him, Ted and Andre. I'm like, I'll take that one with like fifteen bucks for him to kind of whatever. He go, all right, what's your name? And I tell him my name and I spell it for him. This motherfucker spelled my name wrong three times on the picture. And I'm telling him. more. I'm telling him. more, like the error. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm telling him how to spell my name. He spelled it wrong three times. After the third time, I finally went, that's good enough, Virgil. And I gave him the fucking money and I walked out. Like, God damn it. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> what does this say, James? My name's Jared. What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, there, uh, he spelled it with two R one. He spelled it with a T at one point. I'm still trying to figure out where the fucking T came from. Oh, my God. It was like a, there, there was like J-E-R-I-D J- on one of them. Like, ah, I'm done. <laughs> I think the J I think uh, the J E R I D is where I gave up and went, yeah, I'm just getting out of here. I'm done. <laughs> like, I think oh it was before Lord. the Lonely Virgil shit ever started. <laughs> like, I probably got one of the first Virgil store. <laughs> the Virgil origin story. <laughs> All right, we've been going about 15 minutes or so. We haven't even talked IWTV yet. Why don't we go ahead and get into what's on IWTV this week? Yep. What's on IWTV? Tuesday, February 8th, 9 p.m. Eastern. It is the premiere of Ruckler's Lab Chemical MV. Wednesday night, February 9th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The premiere of the Max Ruckler, Geekin 2, Episode 3. Wednesday, February 9th, 10 p.m. Eastern, the premiere of Paradigm Pro, UWFI Contender Series, Geekin 4, Epicode Kick. And it looks like we've got five live shows coming up this week. Thursday, February 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern, Wrestling Open, Epicode Kick. Doubleheader on Friday, February 11th, beginning at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be AIW presenting, you know what? I'm not leaving. Joshua Bishop against Brian Myers. 
your absolute and intense champion, Matt Cardona, defending against Wes Barkley. PME against TME for the Tag Team Championship. They just announced a brutal four-way match involving Kaplan, Ikea Broner, Matthew Justin. You need to go check that, that out. That's going to be freaking fantastic. And still a couple more matches to be announced for that show later on this week. Friday, February 11th at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 o'clock Eastern. West Coast Pro Wrestling presents The Art of Drowning. AJ Gray and Effie against Jacob Fatu and Juki Finale in the main event. 440 on that card. Got a four-way match. Kylie Ray, Masha Klamovich, Nicole Cavoy, and Rachel Ellering. Kevin Blackwood against Davey Richard. A number of other matches on that card as well. I might actually catch, depending on how long the IW show goes, I might catch both those shows this week, though. Both should be real fun. Saturday, February 12th at noon Eastern. Super Cranky Pro Wrestling presents Game Over. And the... SKPW Heavyweight Championship on the line. JTG against a mystery opponent that has not been named. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see JTG on the current independent run, but he's been doing really well lately. That should be fun. And yeah, then- he looks great. He looks great. Yeah. And, I, and if I could, if I could tell you though, by the way, that show, that AIW show Friday night, we'll be doing a, a watch along. I think on all of our Twitter handles. So whoever's using the IWTV guide, myself, I think, and whoever else can do it. But uh, I'll try to be on that uh doing a, a watch along with everybody for that show i'll be there in person oh then you can answer sometimes when i text but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well well we'll see we'll see this is like this is within days of my birthday so i'm hoping that like the drinks are gonna be flowing we'll see we'll make sure of it don't worry marcy we'll make sure you get your drinks i promise as it stands now, I'm pretty sure Butter can go in as well. I will probably be at home watching. I'll probably be mailing the IWTV Guide account for that. But Excellent. Sunday, February 13th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. WWR Plus presents Galentine's Day Massacre. Ashley Dambra. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm butchering that name. Ali Katchik on the card against Ashley. I'll leave it at that. Alicia Edwards against Davian. Megan Bain against Jody Threat. Tina Can Antonio against Jakey Storm. A lot more action in that one. And then Sunday, February 13th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, H2O, underrated, episode 11. That click on IWTV this week. So before we go into our main review for this week, uh, Jay Gold, I know you have been following along with the Mac Dressler so far this season, act have I. We're two episodes, and I would like to get your early thoughts on the first part of the season here. Well, I think, uh, I'll tell you this, I think it's, they know... They they know exactly what their wheelhouse is now. I think the first season was very much a um, a feeling out type of process because it was kind of raw and because uh, it was during COVID and things like that. But I do think they know what they want it to look like. They know how they want it to run. They picked some really good personalities as far as re- uh, uh, judges. Are, they, are we calling them judges or are they are they judges or are they just like celebrity guessers or however that runs? But um, you know, having, having Tremont whose voice is like, he reminds me of everybody that I hung out with in Jersey. Um, and then, uh, uh, Edith surreal, who is so knowledgeable by the way, and listening to her, um, uh, talk. So we'll talk about it after the first episode, but she nails it. And then Warhorse is just, he's like the comedy relief. And I, I like it. They, they know where they need to be. And the episodes uh, are, are tight. So I like that. And I think, I think that's that's what they buttoned up for the second season. Yeah, uh, I definitely like some of the changes that they did make for this season. Uh, the judging actually has yeah, some consequences here. Whoever gets the most second great gets to pick the stipulation for the eventual title match. 
And so I like that they did put some stake in with the judging this time around. Uh, the one thing I am not a fan of this year is in post-production, they are putting the freaking CGI graphics up. And, like, shit like that is why I don't watch it all that much anymore. Like, I, I get tired of seeing birds fly out of Matt Riddle's act every time he flips his candle off. I don't need yeah, to see don't fireworks. Do go- I don't need to see fireworks going off when somebody hits a power slam or some shit. Like I don't need that. I don't need it. <laughs> I thought I was seeing things. By the way, the first time that happened in the first episode, I I don't remember what part it was, but it was it it was either with uh, the world character um, who we can talk about. You know, we already know. Are we allowed to say who who it is? Or are we trying to hold back on spoilers? They've already aired, and people who watch this who are listening to us. I should know most of it already. So I don't. I think we're okay. So, so Janai Kai's character, the 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 world character that she was, uh, there was one part. I think she had the other the the scarecrow against the the ring post, and as she went up, there was like a swirling galaxy. Is that what it was? And uh, and I was like, what the hell did I just like? I didn't know that they were doing stuff like that. So that was kind of, it kind of took me off guard. So I was, I, I was a little bit more used to it if you go into the second one, but that was kind of strange. I don't think, I think what made the show so good is that you don't need that. You have two people that you don't know who they are in styles, clash and styles wrestling. You don't need CGI. Like, I, I don't know if you're just, if, if they're just trying to like show off what they can do now this season with a little more of a budget, but you don't need CGI. Just have these two really good masked wrestlers wrestle. Um, and, and I think Edith calling it out, she knew right away it was Janai Kai. Um, I don't know if Warhorse did it on purpose that he named God, whoever the hell it was he was talking about. And Tremont, I think had a good idea, but, um, Edith Surreal knew right away by looking at the style. And I think that's what you want out of those judges, not CGI nonsense. I think you want to hear that you pick three, three judges who are awesome as far as all different styles of wrestling. Let them tell me who you think it is by watching those styles. You know what I mean? There's no reason to put in a galaxy swirling around Janai Kai's character. So yeah, I, I honestly didn't notice it in the first episode. I don't know if it was, I don't know why I didn't catch it, but like the second episode, it was really bad. Now, I mean, I also thought this. I thought there was a lot of what's the term from getting from one place to another exposition or something like that. There was a lot of a lot of in between leading up to the match, um, especially with. Uh, Ashton Starr's uh, uh, Cyclops Joker, um, there was a lot of talk. And it got very heavy as far as like, all right, I get it. I get what you're doing. Like, we, we didn't need, you know, so much talk. You could have just had uh, the character kind of give, you know, give their thoughts on how they're going to win and then go into it. Um, so there was, I felt there was too much exposition in between the, the start of the show and getting to the match. And I get you want to you want to fill up some time, but maybe there's another way to do it. But there was a lot of talk, and I, I became kind of wary of who it was just based on how much talking they did, you know. So the match was great itself. The matches are great. I love watching you trying to figure out who it is. But the the talk kind of got in the way of it. Um, but I, I like the show. I love it. I think it's I think the show is fun, and I think it's just what we needed the first season. So I'm looking forward to the second season. I just want to see a little bit less of. I could do without the CGI and without so much talking, but it, you know, we'll get there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going against all the talking they've been doing. The idea behind it is that you're trying to get an idea for yourself based on what they're saying, who the guy might be. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't know for sure who Elgato Blanco is underneath the mask, but they definitely want you to think it's Avery Good. 
But he talked about how he used to wear a mask, and he talked about however, if this gives me one more, two more, three more matches, four more matches, whatever it is. Like the, the thing he was saying, definitely they make you, they want you to think that Elgato Blanco gave you good, whether it is or not, I don't know. But we, mm. know, but we know he said he in that final round, and he's kind of talking about how, well, if this ends up giving me two more, three more, four more matches. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm 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 all in. So like, e- even if I wasn't doing the show with you, and and we wanted to stay on top of it, I um I'm I'm all in on it, and I think it's uh I think it's fun, and I like the 20 minutes. You know, it's seven o'clock on you know on a Wednesday night. I think it's great. That, that's where it belongs, and and it fits right in there in the in on a wrestling Wednesday. You know, because everybody gets hyped with AEW. So to have that you know kind of lead in with nothing on between seven and eight most nights. It's 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 a good spot for it. I'm looking forward to the next episode. And I think every Wednesday, 7 p.m. for the next five weeks. Did you have a uh, wrestler spotlight for this week, Jay Gold, or are we skipping at it? I did. I did have a wrestler spotlight this week, if, if you would indulge me. Wrestler Spotlight! So, thank you very much, Charlie Butters, Home Office. Uh, I This week's uh, wrestler spotlight is... One of our, our up-and-coming favorites uh, is Jocelyn Navarro of AIW and, and Midwest fame and AEW Dark fame. Um, Jocelyn has been uh, training at AIW since February of 2020. Prior to that, she was with another school, um, and she transferred over. And she's in June of this year, believe it or not, she's going to be wrestling for five years. Um, she's gotten to do AEW dark. She got to wrestle jazz on the first ever all black women show. She was an OVW. She got to wrestle Thunder Rosa. And this is twice Thunder Rosa. She got to wrestle Thunder Rosa on AEW and she got to wrestle Thunder Rosa at AIW. Um, she got to wrestle Allison K at AIW, which was, um, quite, quite, that match was awesome. I was there for that. And she's currently an assistant trainer at the AIW school. Um, I am a big, big fan of Jocelyn Navarro. I watched her from coming out with, with 40 acres to now she is a force to be reckoned with. I, I don't know if you two, you know, have the same strong feelings, but I really think you can put Jocelyn in against anyone, male or female. And I think you're going to get whatever you want out of that match. I think Jocelyn is at the point in her career and yes, it's only been five years, but I think Jocelyn is at, at that point in her career. She's quick. And I think that she is going to be one of those uh, up-and-comer. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, women's wrestler. She's an up-and-coming star as far as wrestling goes. And I think you're going to see her booked on a lot more um, a lot more independent shows, whether it be on the East Coast. I'd love for her to come and do more stuff over here. Um, I know that she's closely uh, uh, paired up sometimes with PB. PB Smooth. She's also, uh, um, she travels and I know she's with uh, Isaiah Broner a lot. And that would, if, if the two of them would come to town, that would make me very excited. I know they were on that Ohio show, uh, OWA show. So I, I, Jocelyn is one to watch and I, I look forward to her. Um, you know, she's wrestling Lufisto next um, Friday night at the AIW show. So I think that's going to be Awesome. And I highly recommend everybody check out, you know, more of Jocelyn's matches as she goes along. It's going to be really fun to see her uh, um, rise to the occasion. Jocelyn Navarro again, independent wrestling hall of famer, Lufisto, no less. Yeah, that's going to be something I, I, you you two are, uh, uh, Marcy, you're you're really lucky. You're going to be at that show. I know Jared and I'll be home, but Marcy, you're going to be lucky to see that match live. 
I'm so excited for that. The second I saw that got announced, I lost it. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. That's great. I think you're going to love it. I can't wait. All right. With that, let's go ahead and get into our weekly review. The weekly review. Okay. Cause we reviewed an episode of a previous kind of this show, but especially with health concerns and things like that, I want to make sure we did something a little on the shorter side this week. But we are doing the UWFI Contender Theory Geekin 4 Epicode 4. Oh, not the past Epicode, but the one before that. And I'm a big fan of the UWFI rule cut-up anyway. Uh, the point system, really ignore it. It doesn't really come into play. I think it's come to play one ever. But basically, you start at 15 points. When you get taken down at, you know, for a 10 count, you lose a point. You get a rope break, lose a point. Pretty much the extent of it. If you run out of point, you lose. But it very rarely comes into play. It commission or knockout or referee stoppage and the matches. Uh, the format's not for everybody. I'll be perfectly honest about that, but I, I enjoy it. I, I agree with you. I, I like the suddenness of it. Um, I will say this show had a lot of uh, commercials and a lot of filler because I think the matches are so sudden. So you don't have to. I really like how fast this this hour went. Maybe forty five minutes. I'm not sure how what the runtime was. But I really enjoyed. I really enjoy how fast the UWFI show goes because you don't have. I, I know what they're trying to do. You don't have to worry about you know so much playoff to the crowd. It's it's you know it's it's that real feel to it, and I, I like that. I think that that's that that was very helpful for me this week. Yeah, this is um, the way the shows are set up. I I like it. it's quick and to the point, basically. Now, Marcy, are you are you a big UFWI fan in general? Because I, I only got into it, I think, during the pandemic when they were doing shows in uh, Indiana, and Dom was on a few shows in Justice. I think Stephen Bonner was on a show, and I was like, okay, let me check this out. Um, but I never, honestly, I and I, I got, I don't know if I'm dating myself or if I sound not, you know, as intelligent, you know, as a fan. But I never heard of you UWFI rule matches. I wasn't like that was my thing, like growing up. So. I know that a lot of you guys over there on, in the Midwest, uh, I know, Marcy, you were over here on the East Coast for a long time. I don't know if you ever heard of it, because I, I didn't. I was familiar with it. It wasn't something I went out of my way to watch. It just wasn't my thing. It wasn't anything, something I was opposed to, but I was definitely like, familiar with that. Mm. Yeah, so UWFI started in the early 90s, was basically like one of the first shoot-fighting organizations. It's kind of a takeoff on the uh, UWF out of Japan. They changed rules Was it like... Sorry, Jayhawk. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Was it like was it like Pancrase? It was starting and started around that same time along those same lines. So there was a Universal Wrestling Federation in Japan where the matches were mostly work, but they were acting like they were all shoot. Like the top star was Akira Maeda, and then when that kind of went away, they kind of started thinking like an offshoot of that. So they had guys like uh, Nobuhiko Takata, Yoji Ano. Guys like that when they first started, and then they would have like Billy Robinson, Luther, Danny Hodge coming and train the guy on commissions and hooking to kind of, they can make everything look real. Oh, that's so cool! Uh, that's where it started out at, and it only lasted uh, five or six years, so it didn't last very long. But but the promoter, well, made one of the promoters of Paradigm Pro, loved that concept and like, well, we got enough guys that do commission wrestling, we can do this here, and it it caught on. Yeah, they, they. I mean, it's gotten a lot of traction. A lot of our favorites have been in in that in that paradigm and and have been doing a lot of these shows. So I think this one too, 
kind of shows you what they brought in, which is pretty neat. The, the, the talent that was even on this card for a short amount of time was really good. We've got five matches on this particular card. We started off with Tyler Vock against Pete Youngblood. Uh, both the good thing and the bad thing about these shows both is I don't have a lot of notes for any of it because the matches are so cutting, you can't write notes for them. Uh, there was not a lot to this. There was like uh, Vox, did, I believe, did a belly to the back, and then uh, Youngblood hit the clothesline to the back, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah 50, if I remembered, seconds. if I remember, J- Jayhawk, this was uh, that guy Youngblood was on that uh, Wrestle Restival show that you and I uh, reviewed. Uh, you might be right, actually. The one up in Massachusetts that that weekend during during uh, you know Christmas Eve or, or January New Year's Eve or whatever that show was. He wrestled like one of Matt Tremont's um, uh, students, if I recall. Um, and and yeah, I, I, that's the only thing I, I kind of I got that all I have on there is that he he hit him with a nice lariat. But you don't have a whole lot of time to show personality uh, during the match, so that's what I think was lacking. I think that that's something that's lacking from these is that neither guy was able to really give a good you know because you're not you're not using uh, my one my one question to both of you is this. If you were doing a UFWI, uh, uh, a UWFI um, show, would you waste your time uh, putting on your gear or would you put on some kind of fighting outfit as opposed to coming out like in your tights? So that's that was my one question. These guys are all dressed up and ready to wrestle like it's a, uh, a wrestling match. Like the only match that they wore gear that I, I believed was that Trisha Dora and Jordan Blade match at, at the end. But everyone else was dressed... One of the matches, the guy was wearing suspenders. Like, so if you're going out there and wrestling in a UWFI match, wouldn't you be wearing like fighting gear as opposed to your normal wrestling gear? That would be a good question for Dominic Arini this week. I, I'm, I've i never been in that situation. I can't answer that question. Yeah, I, I just didn't know if you if you refed anything or if you if you knew anybody who did it. Because like, I don't know, do you need do you need your tights and the glitter and the glam? Or should you put on something that's no sense because you're going to go knock someone's head off? You know what I mean? So that's just, that was my one, that was something that kind of flowed through the whole, the whole show for me. I mean, I would, I would think, and this is me talking off the cuff, like I have no experience with a UWFI style show at all. But I mean, I would think you would work in whatever you're most comfortable working in. Right. right. I mean, that's not a, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, especially how many times did we hear, not only on this episode, but if you've been following all geek and long, well, this is the first person appearing here on a UWFI show. If it's your yeah. first time doing it, maybe you don't even think about, okay, I should be wearing yeah, MMA short and like taping my ankle up or something and wrecking barefoot. You don't think about that if you're not used to doing it. So, Right. Excellent point. Yeah, I was just wondering that out loud during the show. I was like, why is everybody in, in their regular wrestling outfits? But, you know, it, that's, that's, that, was my, that was just a small nitpick or, or a question that I had. Youngblood gives a quick interview after the after the match, and literally his interview is, I told you, and then they walk off. No challenge, no long drawn out things, just, I told you. Lots of charisma. <laughs> I want to know what he told me. That's What, what did he tell me? <laughs> he told you. <laughs> well, I guess he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was on one of the earlier episodes of the Geek, and so probably whatever that's... Actually, maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. Actually, that might have been a first appearance. Like, and I'm kind of looking back through it. Yeah, that wasn't first appearance. Never mind. I don't know what he told us. <laughs> wasn't that important? <laughs> okay. Our next matchup here is Morgan Taylor against Jeffrey John. 
Uh, this one looked like it was going to go a little longer. They were kind of, they both kind of started out slowly, but it was pretty much uh, John with an exploder suplex and then a rolling capo kick for the knockout, two minutes and three seconds. Again, not not much, not much to this. Nice and sudden, nice solid kick to the head. Yeah, the cartwheel kick was cool. That's the dude, Morgan Taylor, wearing the, the suspenders, these shiny suspenders to fight. You know, like, I get it, but you're wearing you're wearing uh, sparkly suspenders to get in there and really throw down with a guy who who I, I liked. I like that one. That one that one was a good match. They both he dumped the suspenders at one point. I was like, finally, you realize that there's no reason for you to be in, you know, the fabulous ones outfit. You should have been, you know, getting ready to fight. So, well, that's how you knew you know, he was, was getting serious, though, when he took the suspenders down. It's like Jerry Lawler in the strap. Yeah, you know, I thought he was more like, I really don't need these. What the hell was I doing? And then he put the straps down. <laughs> and then he still got the shit kicked out of him. What good did it do? <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't have worn them in the first place. So he would have focused more. Maybe he was hoping they'd be like a distraction. Be like, what, what's up with these suspenders? Why are you wearing suspenders right now? Why are they so shiny? <laughs> you don't have any pants to hold up. Why are you wearing suspenders? <laughs> Get a quick interview from John afterward. We're talking about, you know, looking forward to the future. We go from there. We've got Merck against the Bev, Bobby Beverly. And we got, and here's where you start seeing a difference in style in, in some of these fights. Now, you, these guys pretty much just went out, and it was all strike for the most part. They were just beating the crap out of each other for about three minutes. Yeah, that's what I had. I had slapping the piss out of each other, and I love it. Um, but I think these two look like Merck and the Bev went at it like pros. Like, it was believable. I thought you were in the big leagues watching those two go at it. And uh, our, our IWTV guide favorite, Porter O'Shea, was the referee for this match. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I just have, I have slapping the piss out of each other, and these guys were super professional. Merck, I've never seen. He was awesome, but I know of him. And uh, the Bev is just, he's, what, he's, he's pretty much a veteran of UWFI, right? So he, yeah. you know, yeah. So you could just tell he knew exactly what he was doing. Bobby Beverly was the first one to ever win on point in Paradigm Pro UWFI format. He might still be the only one, actually. He had a, huh. fight, he had a fight with Don't Die Miles a couple of years ago, and he just couplicked the fuck out of Don't Die Miles until, until Miles ran out of point, which he didn't die. He didn't quit. That's pretty cool. That, that That's a really good idea, actually. I like that. So there, also, his, his jacket was super sick as well, and the announcers praised it as they should have. It was. He he looks great in that that with that hat is is completely absurd. He kinda has that um black rain look to him from Impact. <laughs> Dustin <laughs> Ro- <laughs> the Dustin Rhodes black rain look. I like it. <laughs> we have thrown about a bunch of random old school references on this show. I love it. Fabulous one, black rain. I, I love it. They're coming from the old mind of my my old worn out wrestling mind. That's all I got. <laughs> If that other podcast you and I have talked about off air gets off the ground, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with that one. But uh, yeah, heck yeah. Okay, so Bev, Bev get kicks the leg to throw Merck off balance, then catching him with a kick knee for the knockout. Three minutes and kick second. After the match, she can interview with four four zero as a group. It's Jonah's favorite wrestler, Gregory Iron, doing all the talking and hyping Beverly Brass Knuckle title match with Ron Mathis coming up uh, on the eighteenth of February. So, can I, I ask you something? When did when did Vincent Nothing join four four zero? Not that long ago. I, I honestly couldn't tell you, like, the exact date. I don't follow everything 440 does, but it hasn't been that long. Yeah. I was kind of surprised because he came out, and I was like, wait a minute. That's Vincent Nothing. When did he? When was he part of this? But it's a cool. that's a cool add-on. If you need to add guys or take away guys, you want to throw somebody in there who 
who looks good. You, Vincent Nothing's good for that. Oh, absolutely. He fits in well with that group. So. Mm-hmm. And I will, okay, I think it is a smart idea to have Greg Iron doing the promo for 440, but he isn't the best talk out of the group. Yeah, yeah, he cut a really good promo. I agree with you. We go from there to our semi-final fight of the evening. It's Chris Lyon against Brandon Williams. And this one, we get a, a, again a change in style. We have a, more of a grappling battle. Guy are trying to work the, work the mat, work the mission. Uh, Lyon at one point, actually, you could a double stomp after getting a steering complex. But he go for the double stomp a second time, and William catches the ankle for the ankle lock commission at three minutes. Fun stuff here, actually. Yeah, the counter at the end was really sick. Yeah, but did you guys notice? Did you notice this um, at the at the end? Uh, Lions when he after he tapped. Uh, if you have to go back and look again, I would just say he grabbed the wrong leg to sell the leg that was in the ankle lock. And I wrote, "Come on!" Like that was <laughs> that was the that was the thing that I saw. He grabbed the wrong leg. So the match was really good, and I liked the way they were both dressed. By the way, dressed appropriately for a UWFI fight. But uh, at the end of the match, he grabbed his left leg and, and the, the ankle lock was on the right leg. So it just that kind of gave me a second. I was like, oh, come on. But otherwise, that was a fun match. I missed that entirely. Good catch. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. And from there, we go to our uh, actually before that, William Doug King interview. He called out Tom Lawler for a five year old fight. Good luck to you, sir. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call out Tom Lawler for any kind of fight, but quite frankly, no. worked, worked or otherwise. But yeah. <laughs> and from there, we go to our main event. Now, this is a little bit different here. This is for the Paradigm Pro Wrestling Super Middleweight Championship, and this is fought under TFU rule. All right, so TFU is a promotion that basically does an MMA style of match as well. Uh, they do three three-minute rounds. A mission knockout or referee stop is the only way to win, and it goes to a judge's decision if there's no winner at the end of the three rounds. So, very, very similar type of cut up, but a little bit different. And Trisha Dore taking on the champion Jordan Blade. And I, I won't say here, they've got an on screen bl- bug with the running clock. Uh, not like a great touch for them. I, I like that a lot. I think more companies should go to that if they've got magic with time limit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I have two things on here that, that made me happy. I said, it was, if you're going to do an MMA-style match between two really, really good wrestlers, they don't have to be female or male, both of these two are awesome. Um, they treated it like an MMA fight. They were grappling. They were on the ground. The one complaint I had was, I really wish this was in front of a really big crowd. Um, I feel like if you can, after the night that led up to this, if you could have this match, and I know people's love for Trisha Dora, so can you imagine like 200 people watching that match instead of 20 that were in that room? Like these two put on a clinic on how you would want an MMA style wrestling match to go. They were on the ground on each other. The announcers played it up perfectly. They were like, you know, to go after Jordan Blade on the ground could be a mistake. Most people want to keep her on her feet. And Trish had her on the ground, and it was awesome. And for two rounds, I really thought they were going to do like, oh, yeah, Trish wore her out, like took her to the limit, and that was the end. Like I really thought that Trish was going to win this match, and it was it felt really real. And that's what I, I, I was waiting for a little bit more of that in the other matches. This match felt real, and I, 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 I was very pleasantly surprised with 
how much I enjoyed watching it, like how they, how the two of them work this whole setup. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. I was actually trying to score this like the quote an actual MMA fight as well, but kind of I had no idea coming in what the result was because it went to the full three rounds. What was going on with it? I thought based on what they did, I would have given a door both of the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Commentary agreed. Yeah, commentary trying to play it up. Well, oh, first round could have gone to blade. It, it, it could have, but I didn't think so. The second round was clearly a door, in my opinion. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't explain if they do. Uh, are you picking everybody based on round by round, like in the UFC, or based on the entire fight, like a Pancrase fight? They didn't make that clear either. So I have no idea if, if that's even how I should have been scoring it or not. But Right, and, and it felt so real that you could score it like an MMA fight. That's what was so cool about it, and well done by both of those uh, uh, both of the talents in the ring. You literally could have scored that like an MMA fight. That's how real it felt. Late in the third round, Blade gets the rear naked choke, can't quite get it locked in, a door breaking out of it. Blade isn't able to get a crock arm breaker and get the commission victory, minute 55 into the third round. I have watched this entire Keegan, and this is probably my favorite fight of the entire Keegan so far. I, I, I love this match. Oh yeah, it's by far, it was by far a match of the night, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I loved it. I didn't think I would. I, I was going to like catch on to it. And as soon as it started, I was like, oh, I'm actually I'm really in, digging this. Like it just it really just worked. Yeah, they're both like so good, at, like adapting to like the style. Mm hmm. And they wore the gear. They wore the gloves. They both wore their they wore MMA style trunks. And that's how you do it. Like they they came out with corner men and they had stools and it just felt really big and felt like a title fight. And both of them carry themselves as contenders and champions. So except for the announcer couldn't pronounce diaspora. <laughs> if you heard him, um, he said something completely not diaspora. I don't know what word he used, but I got a chuckle out of that. But um, um, it was, it was a really, really good called match by the announcers and a really good match run by the, by the talent. Okay, so with everything in mind here, what do we have here? Thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle? Actually, before I do that, uh, post-match interview from Jordan Blade, she challenged Angela, Angela Lane to Terminal Combat. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Terminal Combat is, it starts off under UWFI rule. If the fight goes five minutes, it turns into a hardcore match. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> they just throw it all out the window. They're like, did you like that? Because now they're just going to get light tubes. <laughs> yeah, and the entire thing, and there have been two fights that have gone past the five-minute mark. This one, which you'll get even under the UWFI format, and then Tom Lawler fighting week one. That, that's it. Nothing else gone more than four minutes. Now, with that in mind, thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle? Uh, thumbs up for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Thumbs up. Really? I, I could watch a bunch of these if they keep them at this length and everything. I it's, this is a fun type of show to, to keep my attention. Yeah. And another big part of the wrestling Wednesday right after AEW for so turn on IBTV and get 45 minutes to an hour of this. Mm-hmm. All right. With that, I got to work in the morning. So let's go ahead and start getting this wrapped up. Uh, I'll start off. I'll go ahead and get my plug in right off the bat here. You follow me on Twitter at ref Instagram at jhawk1539, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash refjhawk, and my next appearance will be at the Lorraine County Community College for Mega Championship Wrestling on February 19th, 6.30 start time. Go check that show out if you're in the area. And with that, Mark, do you have anything you'd like to plug this week? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at bgirlfemboy, boy spelled B-O-Y. 
as well as Twitch, which is also twitch.tv slash egirlfenboy, also spelled B-O-I. Uh, plowing through some more Resident Evil games. I'm going to be finishing up Bloodborne PSX as well. Holy crap, that fucking D-Make is awesome. Uh, other than that, I will be at this upcoming AIW show. So if you see me, say hi or buy me some drinks. Buy me lots of drinks. So it made me very happy. Her birthday coming up in the near future, too. Get an early birthday drink in for her. Also, I have another podcast called X Over uh, with me and my friend Oscar. We talk about video games, wrestling, comics, movies. Uh, last episode, we still have that review of Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. That movie fucking sucks. Don't watch it. Listen yes. to the review instead. That's yes. all you need. <laughs> and Jay Gold. Um, Jay Gold 12 on Twitter. My next appearance will be in my living room tomorrow for work. Um, and then uh, if I could from the home office, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. And don't forget about our merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Uh, the, the logo is up there and the, uh, collab between, uh, um, our, our friend JCP designs, Derek Dillinger and IWTV guide, uh, the maniac, um, collab and, uh, please check it out, you know, get one. Uh, I, I just think it helps, you know, gets gets the word out there and it's a dope t-shirt you know it's it's a lot of fun check out our podcast friends um wrestling cheers pod van dam the super fantastic podcast if you catch my grift where dalton gives us all covid um at odds with wrestling x over and the card is going to change our other friends jcp designs the official graphic designer of iwtv guide pwponderings.com big starks brand Mr. Mouse and uh, myself and my brother became friends yesterday on Twitter, so that's super exciting. Uh, set tab photo, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, and our, our uh, um, buddy Joey over at Kayfabe Collectibles. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got. Thanks so much, Jayhawk. Oh, you're very welcome. Join us next week right here on IWTV Guide, your guide, welcome on independentwrestling.tv. Good night, everybody. Do you feel that? Oh shit. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up. Come on, get down with the sickness You mother, get up Come on, get down with the sickness You fucker, get up Come on, get down with the sickness Madness is the gift that has been given to me I can see inside you the sickness is rising It seems that all that was good has died Oh no, the world is a scary place Now that you've woken up the demon in me. Bobby, will you give it to me? Two, three, four. Oh. <laughs> get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You mother, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your hate and let it flow into me.
die. 